in that moment, you're like, you still have this little twinge that like, it feels wrong what you're doing, but you just do it anyway. And you're like, honestly, like that wasn't bad. Like, I don't, right, what, right. I don't feel guilty about this. Like yeah. I feel, I kind of feel guilty that I don't feel guilty. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. It's just like. Welcome back to Dear Shandy, listeners. Hello, Andy. Hello. How are you today? Great. Ooh, great. You seem very eager and and perked up to talk about this is an exciting topic. Yeah, I'm very very pumped. (laughs) Yeah, I've got to tell you that this topic is something that I've been trying to make happen on this podcast for a very long time, and that's why I'm so excited about our guest today. We are joined today by Blair, the ex-evangelical brains behind the humorous Instagram and TikTok accounts at Talk Purity to Me. Mm-hmm. Amazing name. I'm sure you get that all the mm-hmm. time, but just Thank really clever. Thank you so much. <laughs> and her accounts are dedicated to unlearning the shame taught by purity culture. Yes. And from what I understand, there's a lot. And so I have two disclaimers that I just want to get out of the way. The first is, before we get started, none of us here are therapists. Mm -hmm. And this is intended as a conversation with anecdotal advice and observations, but it just isn't meant to be in lieu of professional treatment or therapy. Just want to get that out of the way. And next up. The, my, my disclaimer next for, is for you, Blair, <laughs> because okay. neither Andy or I know much about purity culture, yeah. if I'm honest. We don't know okay. much about purity. <laughs> I couldn't resist. Exactly, exactly. And uh, neither of us were raised in particularly religious households. And I, after reading up on it a lot and just sort of being informed by our listeners more about it, I consider myself very lucky to not know much about it, but we're just so happy that you have joined us today because I know you know plenty. And it really has been a major theme among our listeners' uh, emails and questions about their relationships. And and when I did tease that we were having you on, the response was really very passionate. Mm-hmm. And That's so sweet. <laughs> yeah, it's very sweet. And you have been at this for a while, so I imagine that probably doesn't surprise you. Well, I mean, I... I know that a lot of people obviously are, you know, drawn to what I do and talk (laughs) about. So, yeah, I mean, that's really, but that's, I mean, I'm always kind of like, it's not lost on me, like, that people do value what I put out there. Mm -hmm. And I'm always constantly just, like, surprised and feel very grateful. So Yeah. What you do resonates. We'll put it that way. Mm -hmm. Okay. So just to get started, because I want to make sure everyone's on the same page, and in case anyone's listening and just has no idea what we're talking about, or maybe they think that the way they view their bodies and sexuality today could be influenced by having been raised with purity culture, I just want to get a definition, like, on the books. Would you mind Mm -hmm. defining it for us? I know you've been asked this before, but just so we're all on the same page page yeah um and of course my definition comes from the evangelical world that shows up in different places and looks different and different like religious religions and stuff like that but Mm -hmm. for me um it's you know this ideology that places a lot of emphasis on virginity and saving yourself for marriage putting air quotes around that Mm -hmm. there you know um and really places a lot of worth especially for women on not showing their body, saving that for their future husband. It's definitely very like heteronormative and Mm. monogamous sort of like 
emphasis on like those types of relationships being like the only valid ones. So there's a lot. It's a lot. Yeah. (laughs) Yes, it is. And so I just a a fun. (laughs) I'm going to add some air quotes there. Fun little (laughs) true or false. True or false then in purity culture. As a woman, you must be faithful to your husband every single day of your life, including before you even know or meet him. Oh, for sure. Very true. True True or false, (laughs) to even have a crush on someone is a sin and an act of betrayal to one's future spouse. A lot of people, including myself, were taught that. Yeah. Wow. True. Mm -hmm. (laughs) True or false, women's worth is in their virginity. So on a subconscious level, losing their virginity is to lose their worth. Very true. Yes. Okay. Okay, just setting the tone here. And (laughs) true or false, to have sex before marriage is to be damaged goods. Definitely true. Okay. All right. So first, we want to get to know you a bit. I've been very curious about you. I've been following your account for quite some time and really enjoy it. Just sharing what you're comfortable sharing. Can you tell us a bit about your background and upbringing and how purity culture affected you? Yeah, um, I would say purity culture in the churches I grew up in like the Southern Baptist Church it's kind of a thing that's all around you it's kind of like the air Mm. you know it's just kind of like (laughs) always there wow and then like when you get a little older it's definitely more explicit like the messages about especially when you're like you know around that 12 to 12 years old through high school like You start getting into like youth group, puberty age. Yeah. Like it's very much, uh, it gets more explicit at those ages about like, you know, what girls are allowed to wear to church and are allowed to wear like around men, even like family. Um, It can be like, uh, it's a lot of modesty, you know, being taught a lot about modesty and you know, keeping your legs closed and not tempting those boys or like the, you know, even young girls being told not to like tempt men in their churches and things like that. Like, so that's kind of like the tone if we're just like putting it out there, like that's what I grew up with and like very much internalized. Um, And it kind of like, if you're involved in ministry and college, it continues on. So it's like a solid decade of your life where you're really like hammered with these messages um, and talk about and then, formative years right and just when your your hormones are hammering yeah. you at the other side yeah exactly good, good timing I it's guess. not like it's a decade between 35 no. and 45 like now you've had all that sex now let's yeah. talk about purity yeah yeah oh man so did right. you did you ever personally well not did you ever was there a period um, from whence this began to a certain time where you fully embraced it, where you're like, this is right. And I feel good about this and I'm not tempted. Oh yeah. I was like very much so all in, like I really believed this and tried my best to live it wholeheartedly. Like I, I was very much of the camp that took it to like the extremes of, I don't even want to kiss till I get married, you know, all of that stuff. Like I really was fully bought in on all of it and I thought like this was the best way to live this was like the only way to please God which is what I wanted to do more than anything and um yeah I was totally sold out to the whole thing I was 
completely wow. in it. So, so there were no nights of doubt where you were yeah, just like, I'm wait, curious. this is something, something here is not right. I, I have t- felt this temptation the other day. I would really love to explore that, but I can't, but I can't. Yeah. Was it like that? Or were you just full on just a hundred percent? The only times, no, I mean, really, no, I will say that for, until I really started having like doubts about my faith, which is, you know, intertwined into this whole conversation, I really never questioned it because I was being told by all the adults in my life that this is how I would please God. And like, this was God's best plan for my life. And I was totally fine with that. I I had no other like experiences or information or anything to like challenge these ideas that was just like, this is what, what was out there. So Like you said, the air that you breathed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when and how did the cracks start forming? Like, when did you develop that doubt? Yeah, um, kind of towards the end of college, I just sort of started realizing that, like, maybe the way that I related to, like, sexuality and relationships wasn't healthy. And it was, like, around the same sort of time that I was questioning my faith anyway. So it was, like, you know, just like different, I think it was like different instances where I was like, maybe this isn't like the way that other people react to sexuality. And like, maybe the way that I'm reacting right now is not healthy. Like this Mm. doesn't seem like being, having this much anxiety about sex doesn't seem normal. Yeah. (laughs) You were, you were comparing it to other people. Yeah. Well, that's what I was going to ask. Do you think it was um, a function of you being exposed to like the real world as an adult for a while? Or do you think there was, was there some formative experience you had? Was there something you remember like, oh, this is where it turned? Yeah. And I want to tack on a question to that. Did you go away for college? Did you leave town? Yeah, that's a good I question. did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. I went to public universities, so I didn't go to Christian college or anything okay. like that. Okay. Yeah. So really seeing the rest of the world. Okay. Very interesting. Now, how many years now would you say you're into, as you call your deconstruction process? And are there any aspects that you find yourself still struggling with? I would say probably a decade in, like from like the very beginning to like where I am now. Um, I'm 31. So probably around age like 21 or so is where it started. So the thing about fundamentalism and like purity culture, especially when you grow up in it, it really changes your brain, you know? Mm. So I think in a way, like I will probably never be like fully rid of like Christian fundamentalism and purity culture as like an extension of that, because it did change the way my brain developed as compared to like other people who grew up without it. Mm. And I don't say that to be like negative. I think it's just like an understanding for myself that like there is a reason why I still struggle with certain things. Like, you know, there's like sometimes just like a guilt you feel or like, you know, questioning like why you're doing certain things. Like it's not anything glaring, I would say, like, but it's just kind of like, an undercurrent of like the way that I was raised Mm -hmm. and the way that like those ideologies shaped literally the way my brain works. Mm -hmm. That's incredible how it's been 10 years 
of your deconstruction process. And before that, you know, let's say about 10 years since that messaging was really start being driven home, let's say from age 11 or so, even though I know really it was, it goes even younger than that. It's just, yeah. um, I mean, it's a year for a year and you're still, as you said, like it's a part of you. Yeah. Like, do I wish that it didn't have to be that way? Yeah, for sure. But I am the person that I am and I'm like grateful to have, survived everything that I did and like I am glad to be where I am in my life right now and like I know that it doesn't like control me or like define who I am that I now like have the opportunity to learn and define the rest of my life so like it again that's why I say like for anyone who's listening like who maybe doesn't like that I would say that about like the way it shaped me, I don't see it as a negative. It's just like, this is me. Yeah, no, I mean, it adds such value to the work you've done. And I mean, how well you probably know yourself if you have to be forced to go on that journey in your early 20s. I mean, you really have to get to know yourself and trust your own inner compass over what all the adults in the room have been telling you for the for your entire youth, really. It's pretty incredible. Do you mind me asking, I don't know if it's too personal, but was your first experience really like terrifying sexually? Um, It was honestly just kind of like, I I think I just kind of dissociated and like don't really remember a lot. Like there was some things that were scary. Yeah. But I think like a lot of it, I was just so like, I didn't know what was happening, that it was like not really terrifying. It was just kind of like, I don't really remember a lot. Like I remember, I don't remember how I felt really. I just yeah. kind of like blacked out kind of. Wow. That's fascinating. Yeah. 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 It's such a shock to the system, I'm sure. And I mean, just all the voices in your head, it's almost like they all negate each other and then you just don't remember anything. Yeah. It's like skydiving yeah. or something. Skydiving. Yeah. Okay. Wow. So what inspired you to start Talk Purity to Me? Yeah, so around like September of 2019, I kind of on my own personal Instagram, which is just, you know, a small private account, I um, just put something out there and said, you know, hey, you know, has for anyone out there who was raised in purity culture, like, how has it affected you in your adult life? Because I was, you know, obviously still contending with it in my own relationships and like my life and just sort of wanted to see like how everyone else was doing kind of like, you know, how, how everyone who grew up in the same way was feeling about it. And I got dozens and dozens of messages. And again, I just have like a small account. So it was like an overwhelming kind of response from my followers on there, like my friend. And so just me, like my personality, I'm kind of like, if I see a problem, I'm like, okay, Like, is there a way I can fix this? Or is there like, can I find someone who can like help or whatever? So I sort of started like exploring different options. And I just felt like, well, you know, this started on Instagram. Let me just like make a separate account and just, you know, put some thoughts out there. And like anyone who's interested in talking about this, like can go over on this other account and we can sort of get the conversation going. And that's, how it started so okay. I, I have one one last personal question yeah, before yeah, I get yeah. to Go the other stuff but it. I'm just curious and I think I know the answer to this question but I'm curious okay. 
how did your family and your friends from your hometown oh, receive this? Such a good question. I can't believe I didn't think to ask yeah. that. Yes. Well, uh, many of them didn't know for a long time. Maybe still don't know because I preemptively blocked many people. <laughs> good for you. No, yeah. I just went yeah. in there. I was like, you know what? I just don't like many of the many of the people. Like, I I am not friends with a single person that I went to church with. Mm-hmm. I don't have a relationship with them. And I'm like, I don't have a personal relationship with any of these people. So I'm not going to let them like see this page and think they can like speak into my life this right. many years later right. and like give their unsolicited opinion. I just don't even want to deal with it. So I just blocked a bunch of people yeah, before I even like made a post. I was like, you know what? I am protecting my peace right now. So that's what I did. What about I, your parents? Yeah. <laughs> My parents, actually, my mom follows me and she comments on stuff sometimes. Um, How lovely. So, I mean, she's like, my mom's a public, like, high school teacher. Like, you know, she sees, like, what teenagers go through. And I will say, like, I have kind of a different experience with purity culture. Like, I would say that it was less pushed on me by my parents mm. and more by I attended this house church with like my best friend. It was in my best friend's home Mm. and it was like her parents, like my Mm. best friend's parents who kind of like put this messaging on me. So like, it's not really a thing that I like associate with my parents. Yeah. No. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, it's not, and, and that's not true for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, I was going to say, you're lucky to have that relationship now with your parents regarding this. Yes. I feel very lucky. Yeah. And like, I don't talk about that aspect of it a lot because I know like family is a very painful thing for a lot of people Mm -hmm. who grew up like the way that I did. But I feel very lucky that like I do still have a really good relationship with my parents. And I did for for, for a while there through like my, like, especially like mid to late 20s, I didn't feel like I could be fully open with them, but like I started to open up to them a bit more, I guess. And like sharing things like my page and, you know, living with my fiance, you know, like things like that. Um, but they live in a different state. So it wasn't even like, it was kind of a non-issue for a while and which was nice while I figured out how I wanted to talk about it. I would say you are on the lucky side mm-hmm. for sure. I'm very lucky, yeah. <laughs> So having run Talk Purity to me for a couple years now, have mm-hmm. you, what have been the common themes you've seen from your followers, from people writing in of how it has affected them long term, like the damage it has caused? A big one is just like a lot of people who got married young because of purity culture, their marriages didn't work mm. long term. So that's a big one, you know, and learning you know, maybe you get married when you're like 20, 21. And then by the time you're in your mid to late twenties, you're already divorced. And like, you're trying to figure out life again. And like being a single person, like coming from purity culture is really hard. Um, Trying to navigate relationships and things like that can be really hard for a lot of people. So that's a big one. I mean, a lot of purity culture marriages really just don't work. 
I have a quick question about that, and this might be a really stupid question, but like I said at the top, yeah. I, I am ignorant in this department, and I love it when people yeah. can admit that they don't know stuff, so I try to be that yeah. person. I don't know much about this. But when you say a lot of purity culture marriages, they tend to take place at such a young age, mm-hmm. is that just sort of like trying to speed it along? I'm trying to, is that because they want to have sex, or is it because yeah. like yeah. it is? So yeah. that's the reason, yeah. they just, they want to have sex. For- yeah. For sure. Okay. Yeah, they want to have sex. And they- <laughs> Andy's giving me a what's wrong with you look. I was just curious. Like, it, I don't know. Like, I thought maybe that was a factor. I didn't think that was the main reason why you got married so young. I don't yeah. know. Because there's also all this messaging that sex is bad. So, right, until but, you're married. But not inside of marriage. <laughs> not inside right. of marriage. Sex is great inside of marriage. It's well, a double whammy. We're going to circle. Like, you're unbelievably horned up, and yeah. you're, and it's everyone's telling you, this is the best thing you could do. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Okay, so here's my question, and this wasn't on my list, but just based on what you said, you know, people getting yeah. divorced as early as their late 20s after having gotten married so young. What's worse, to get divorced? Because isn't divorce also frowned upon? Mm. Yeah, it is. Um, and I mean, that's like a really, that's also really hard for a lot of people. Um, I would say probably the worst thing you could do, like really it's mostly for women, like getting pregnant or having sex before you're married is probably the worst thing you could, could do. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Um, it's yeah. number one on Family Feud. Number one, say. yeah. Number one, getting pregnant before <laughs> Andy, marriage. Andy likes to turn yeah. everything into a family feud. Yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> it helps. So, what divorce helps. is like third? <laughs> yeah, divorce is like six percent of the uh, correspondence. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely not like accepted. Like, it's not great, but yeah, I mean, it it obviously happens. You know, even yeah. like famous pastors get divorced now. So. Okay. Yeah, the most fun stuff is is the worst. Anything that's super fun fun is is the worst. So is there a particular age range that you have found you get the most responses from, or does it really just run the gamut among your followers? It's definitely the like 18 to 45 sort Mm -hmm. of range. I mean, I have analytics so I can see that, you know. Yeah, same. (laughs) Not, not, Not in the same way, but okay. And have any responses you've gotten taken you by surprise? Have there been any unexpected challenges running an account like this? I'm curious. I would say that I don't know that it's necessarily a response that is specific to me. I think a lot of people who have platforms, mm-hmm. followings, whatever you want to call it, probably struggle with this. But like in the church, you know, there's a lot of um, like emphasis on like accountability and you like build these really strong bonds with people like in your church group. And I think sometimes people like translate that sort of idea onto me who is a stranger on the internet. And so I get a lot of, they feel like like they know you and they feel like they know me. And like, I uh, feel very like humbled by that. And like, I feel it's very, it's an honor that people would trust me with like very deeply personal things but also sometimes people just have expectations of me or like my time or what I'm willing to give to them like as an individual Mm. 
that can be really hard to I, I can imagine <laughs> welcome deal to with. the internet yeah yeah <laughs> oh welcome to the internet yes. <laughs> okay <such laughs> totally. <a good> <laughs> And okay, last one in this, I have a lot of questions. This is a sub one to that first question about the common themes. But are there any less obvious ways that you personally think purity culture manifests? Or do you think you've said them all already? Uh, I mean, I think like even things like, um, you remember the whole story about Mike Pence, like not wanting to be alone with another woman, Mm -hmm. like even a colleague or something like that, like, to me, that is just like peak purity culture too. Mm. Like that's, you know, I remember being told that like not to be alone in a room with a guy or like in a car with a man, you know, just like not being alone ever. Like, I mean, when I heard that, I was like, uh, yeah, obviously he's a Christian. He's in this world. Like this is not, if you're in that world, that's not a crazy idea. Like for everyone else looking in, it seems, it Extreme. seems very yeah. out there, but like when you come from that world, that's normal. Yeah. Okay. Can Mike Pence still be helped or is he lost? <laughs> no, I mean, he's walking the straight and narrow. He's not alone with any women, right? So he's, he's doing <laughs> <laughs> okay. So a major theme in the questions we received, because of course I did poll our listeners and we always like to incorporate our listeners' questions into the questions we ask our guests. And a major theme, which we already kind of touched on, was that idea that sex is bad, sex is bad to suddenly sex is a beautiful part of marriage. Like all Uh of a sudden, literally overnight, this thing that you've been taught was so evil is suddenly so accepted. And based on the responses we got, this seems to be a struggle for a lot of people in Mm -hmm. that they cannot shed the shame and anxiety they have surrounding sex from before they were married. And even though they're married now and it's all kosher, Mm-hmm. It's it doesn't feel that way. Yeah, understand. Do you have any tips for beginning to shift that mindset for anyone struggling? I think having a good relationship with yourself, like I, I don't know, like what I can say. Am I just like allowed oh, to say anything? Yeah, say like, whatever you want. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh. Like I your think, is like, yeah. Oh, we. <laughs> okay. You're good. <laughs> okay. I mean, masturbation is really helpful. Cause you get to figure out like what works for you. And it really does like help a lot. I mean, for me in my experience and like for uh, hearing other people's stories, like that's a big one. Mm-hmm. Um, like even just the act of buying clothes that like you feel good in mm-hmm. is, it seems so simple, but it's actually super revolutionary for a lot of people. Like just by even just like going and trying on clothes like that, make you feel like happy and like beautiful and like good about your body no matter what like whatever size or whatever you are like it's just like the you just take your power back in like small moments I don't think it's like a you know a big overnight epiphany thing I don't I mean maybe that happens for some people and if so that's amazing but I think you just like slowly take your power back and like stand up for yourself in like the smallest moments, take your autonomy back, like celebrate yourself. I think that is like the biggest thing that I can say. Yeah. yeah. It's, I'm curious in the, in this community, I, 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 this is a very common conception, but 
you always hear about these like super sexually repressed societies where there's these crazy sexual deviancies, right? Mm. Deviancies? Yeah. Is that a word? Deviancies? Deviancies? Deviances? Deviant? De- Divide? Are you talking about deviant? Like deviances. De- like the act, the, the noun, deviance. That's an Is deviance a noun? Can you... <laughs> deviances. I, uh, I don't know, but I know what you... We well, know anyway, what anyway, he means. We know let, what he let means. Me re- re- I know what you mean. Okay, so so what I'm asking you is like, is that something that you've seen in this community where it's just like you go from zero to a hundred, you're like in full BDSM from nothing? Like, does that is that something that actually does happen a lot, or is that the the really rare exception? Well, I don't. I mean, I don't know like what everyone is up to. You know, I mean, it could be. <laughs> You know what but, a lot I of mean, people I, are up to. I I don't think that that is very common. I will say, okay. like, okay. Um, I mean, there's a lot of people who, you know, leave purity culture and they figure out that that is exactly what they enjoy and that is like their preference is be it BDSM or ethical non-monogamy or whatever. You know, there's like, and and then there's you know people like me who leave purity culture and decide that you know, my taste and stuff is still like kind of vanilla. Like I'm not really like, you know, I I think that's like what's a misconception is like not everyone leaves purity culture and it's just like, woo, like, you know, going in every direction and up for everything, you know? Um, And especially like as a woman talking about sex on the internet, I think that people have that conception of me. And I think, Mm people would be very surprised to know that like, that's not true. Isn't that interesting how the human mind works? It's mm-hmm. like, oh, well, you speak out against purity culture. You must be X, Y, Z. The exact it's, opposite yeah, of purity It's like you culture. cannot, po- there can't yeah. be any gray area. I need to be able right. to categorize these. The idea that people, some people, I mean, BDSM is an extreme example, but mm-hmm. I feel like this is something I've long thought that if you are so repressed in a certain way that when you do go off to college, I think some people would be inclined to swing harder in the opposite direction than they otherwise might have out of an act of rebellion. I think that's true. I think for some people it can be true. You know, you have no education about STIs or sexual health. Like you really don't know what you're doing. So, I mean, unfortunately, because of purity culture and a lack of sex education in the U.S., a lot of people learn about sex by having sex, which is really not great. But um, yeah, I mean, I think that is true for a lot of people. Yeah. Let's say now you grew up in purity culture, but your partner did not. Mm-hmm. And perhaps that manifests in the bedroom today. Maybe you're married, maybe you're not. Mm-hmm. But some of our listeners, the Shanties, expressed feeling closed off or almost like a prude in response to sexual suggestions from their partner. Do you have any advice for those in this position to be more open to exploration or just more comfortable with their sexuality? I really do think like sexual exploration, even on your own, can be really helpful. I know I already mentioned that. Mm. Um, but even like watching like sexy movies or like playing, you know, whatever, like even if, if you're, if you're not into pornography, like I totally understand it's not for everyone, but like, if that is something you're open to, like, Mm -hmm. you know, finding some like ethical pornography you can watch that like maybe might, you know, like might make you 
feel a little bit more excited. Randy. Like, yeah. <laughs> <old> like, word. <laughs> I, I think it is difficult for people to, like you were saying, like, it, it, you know, we're all taught that as soon as we get married, like the floodgates will open and everything will be magical and we'll have like so much sexual drive and that's just really not true for a lot of people Mm. for various reasons and um yeah I mean I think that is it's okay it's normal given what we've all been through um for a lot of people but it's you know it's okay to take it slow too and like don't feel I would say like give yourself time if you've got a partner who is being impatient with you that's probably not the person that you need to be with or they just need a serious reality check about you know yeah your history and you know just you don't have to get there today Mm. it's you know it's gonna be okay give yourself all the time you need yeah i always think of a line from Sex and the City. I'm, I'm a Sex and the City generation person, but I Sam- love Sex and the yeah. City. <laughs> Samantha I once. Yeah. Oh yeah, Did I you- watched it like in the last four years. So I'm. Oh um, my god! You know- wow. Okay, <laughs> you caught up. That's great. I also oh, yeah. love Sex and the City. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Andy, Andy knows more Sex in the City than he'd like to admit. Yeah, but yeah, I've been for, indoctrinated. I mean, I wasn't raised in purity culture, but I mean, it was extremely eye-opening for someone like me. Um, yeah. I, I feel like I was a little bit sheltered, I guess. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in my later teen years watching a show like that in a city like New York, I was just like, mm-hmm. this exists? Like, it was right. sort of mind-blowing. It wasn't as like, this is wrong. It was more like I didn't, you know, you just sort of need that door to be opened a crack. And then you're yeah. like, oh, what's through here? Um, okay. So, oh, anyway, my point in bringing up Sex and the City is Samantha Jones. You don't, you may not mm. know this, but she famously said that she's a trisexual and that she'll try anything ah. once. Is that this? Am I getting that's that close wrong? close enough. I yeah. Think you get, yeah, we no, get the point. No, that's right. That's I think I recently watched that episode. Yeah. Like last week. <laughs> yeah. It just got me thinking. I remember seeing it and being like, yeah. yeah. Oh, why not? I mean, yeah. I mean, she seems pretty happy. Okay, so let's say someone is staying with their first and only sexual partner, even though it's not good or healthy or right, the relationship itself, simply because of their fear of leaving and what that would look like. What would you say to that person? I would say that um, you are in charge of exactly the kind of sexual you know, life that you want to have. And um, yeah, just it is as hard as it's going to be to leave. If you know that whatever situation you're in isn't right, um, you know, figure out a way to leave. And if there's some other things going on, and it's not safe, you know, talk to people like, you know, but you have the power to choose exactly what you want your Mm. sex life to look like whether that is you know the bdsm or whether you do want a monogamous relationship like that's healthy and you know empowering like as as difficult as it may feel and as it it does make you feel like you're losing control to like Mm. let go of relationships like that like it's like you feel like you're gonna spiral and like you're never gonna like find up again but like you will it's yeah 
it, it might take some time, but. It feels like so much of it is about finding your community, like your, mm-hmm. your tribe of people. Like I can imagine how much harder it would be to leave that kind of relationship if all your friends were also raised in the same culture and are also, mm-hmm. you know, would would judge you for leaving. Yeah. Yeah. Out of peer pressure. Yeah. I mean, I would have a hard time with that. That would be Everyone tough. Would. It's you almost mean. like you need to start chipping away at other facets of your life, not only your romantic relationship, but the, you know, the circle that you surround yourself with. It's it's, it's tough. It I is mean, tough. I some, mean, sometimes, it, like, like I knew a Jehovah's Witness who peaced yeah. out and nobody speaks to her. I mean, no sisters, no family, family, no yeah. friends, nobody. Have you heard some stories like that? For sure, yeah. And Jehovah's Witness is like very famous for that. They have like a whole process of, um, I think they call it disfellowshipping. But um, yeah, like, I mean, that happens to a lot of people and it is excruciating. Like there's the stories that I hear are just incredibly painful. And I would never like make light of that. Like Mm. that, the choice to leave is so difficult. And like, I would never like encourage someone to leave who wasn't ready, you know, or who felt like, cause, cause for a lot of people, the choice to leave relationships like that, like if you're in a marriage, you know, especially if you have kids, like you're probably leaving your family network, like other social networks, you might even be leaving like financial stability. Like it is not an easy thing no. to do. So I would never encourage anyone who wasn't fully prepared for that to just do it on a whim. It's not, it's not an easy thing at all. Mm -hmm. You said earlier, uh, just about the previous question, like if you know, it's not right. It got me thinking just how like the part, the role trust plays in all of this and how that kind of mindset, especially from such a young age, it almost teaches you not to trust your own instincts and not trust your gut, not trust yourself. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, it made me kind of sad. Like, even if you think about what you're looking for in a relationship, you're taught that if someone's, a, you know, let's say you're a woman, you're in a heterosexual, you're heterosexual, and you, you were taught that it's, it has to be a man of God, right? It can't, like, if it's not a man of God, then he can't be right for you. But it's like, there's no sense of discovering for yourself what may or may not be right for you. Oh, for sure. And I don't even think that I knew what, like my own intuition or whatever was until maybe like my mid twenties. Like, I don't even think I knew how to know what I wanted. Wow. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like it just wasn't, Mm -hmm. I I didn't know like how to listen to that. Mm -hmm. Do you have any tips for how you came to hear that voice? I think I just sort of, had to like stop caring (laughs) like Mm. as Mm -hmm. as much as like uh you know like I had already lost a lot of friendships relationships by that point so I was just like you know what I'm this is where I am and like if I lose other people too like you know maybe that's what's gonna happen and I was just at a point in my life where I was like I can't keep listening to everybody else I have to like figure out what's even going on because I felt like I did feel very like out of control of my life Mm. I was like I have to just stop 
listening to everyone else. Stop caring what everyone else thinks, which wasn't easy for me to do. Yeah. But no. yeah, I, I think I just slowly, like, I am a very much of an introvert. I spent a lot of time alone, you know, like in my home, like. You turned off the noise. My, yeah. Just like, and like exploring different things, like going on dates. I was, it was still very much the uh, like dating app scene. I don't know if people still use dating apps a lot, but like that's oh. that <laughs> sweet spot. Of, I think they might. Um, yeah. Just like trying different things. Like even if it was like kind of intimidating, just sort of putting Expanding. myself out there. Expanding yeah. your horizons. Hmm. Yeah. Was there, was there a movie you saw? Like, what, yeah. I want to know. I, I I asked this question before. I don't think you answered it, but <laughs> you interrupted me. Sorry, I'm sorry. But, <laughs> but was, can you pinpoint just one early formative experience? Was it like a movie you saw or a book you read or some friend you met? Or like, was yeah. there anything you can pinpoint mm. that started the train? When I was in high school and like most of college, I never put out the vibe that I was like wanting to date because I was waiting on my like future husband. Right. Like that's Mm -hmm. what I was supposed to do. But as I started like, you know, meeting new people, like kind of putting myself out there a little bit more, I did start having like more people like asking me out, interested, you know, hanging out Mm -hmm. with guys, like different stuff like that. And I think just like in that moment, you're like, you still have this little twinge that like, it feels wrong what you're doing but you just do it anyway. And you're like, honestly, like that wasn't bad. Like, I don't, right, wa- right. I don't feel guilty about this. Like yeah. I feel, I kind of feel guilty that I don't feel guilty. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's just like, like, and then you just start realizing like, this is actually not the like big, terrible, scary, huge right. thing that I made this in my head yeah. because of everything I was taught. So yeah, but like probably around that time, just sort of like, sure. Not realizing it wasn't like everything that I yeah. had built it you up. You pulled to the be. curtain back. You yeah. saw the wizard. Yeah. Realize. You know, it's actually a fascinating time. I think, I mean, sure for everyone, but especially like as a straight woman at that age, like when you do mm-hmm. start to, you know, you do break away from the home life and you do start getting advances from the yeah. opposite sex, it's kind of like you, you, don't really see yourself through that lens up until that point. And to be able yeah. to do it is suddenly like, and again, I wasn't raised in purity culture, so I can't even speak to that, but just even as a moderately sheltered person, it was kind of like, Oh, I'm, I'm seen this way. Like I'm mm-hmm. like you, yeah. I never even saw it in the mirror. It was more like yeah. I came to regard how I came off to other people through how I was treated at that point in my life. Do you know what I mean? Yep. It's a powerful time, honestly. Mm-hmm. Sure is. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have any advice for anyone going through this process of, of trying to take control and love their bodies more and maybe just expand their horizons, like you said, while maintaining a meaningful relationship with loved ones, with family who maybe yeah. don't approve? Because it's kind of a delicate balance. You can't just Mm -hmm. block them. Do you have any tips? I know that you didn't really go through that with your parents, but maybe you've spoken with people who have some advice. Yeah, I mean, I went through it a little bit with my parents in the sense that I wasn't sure how they would react to certain decisions I was making for myself. And so I didn't open up to them about that. Mm. And, you know, honestly, it worked for me. And I, 
You know, I would say that just because it's your parents or your family or whatever doesn't mean that they have to know everything about your life. Like you get to maintain whatever level of privacy you would like to have, you know, like your parents don't have to have a full access to every detail of your life Mm -hmm. that you aren't comfortable sharing. And especially if you want to have a good relationship with them and you know that maybe right now is not the best time to like share certain things, like I would say don't feel like you have to, like Mm. you don't owe full disclosure to anyone. Like you don't have to tell everyone all your business if you don't want to. No, it's true. You're at this point, you're an autonomous adult. Yeah. And on a need-to-know basis. Need-to-know basis. Else. What yeah. you just said, Blair, reminded me of what my therapist told me just in a recent session just about how hard it is to shed, you know, it could be from your childhood, the kind of relationship you have always wanted to have with your parents. And and maybe as you get older, you realize that that just cannot come to be because maybe reasons like this or just personality incompatibilities. Maybe that is a challenge for some people, but I really loved your advice. You know, you you don't need to disclose everything just because they're your parents and maybe it is a chapter like maybe down the road Mm -hmm. you can't have that relationship but yeah yeah speaking of relationships but i'm curious about the relationship with the the one upstairs yeah (laughs) so you know you're it's kind of like part and parcel this purity and the religion yeah it's not like they're two separate paths you can take so when you right. do, I have that question. Oh, right? you have it. Yeah, yeah. Nice. A- ask Good it, job. Andy. She got I, oh, it. I have it she on here found for you. It first. <laughs> um, so, my question is: Is do you have to throw the baby out with the bathwater? Like, mm. if you if you choose to f- just disavow purity, do you also uh-huh. kind of have to disavow the religious basis for where that purity came from? Yeah, and two part question because I just want to add. If you're comfortable sharing, where would you yeah. say your relation your relationship with religion stands today? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I will say for me, I could no longer be a part of religion, especially Christianity. I'm not interested in it in my own life. I don't want any part of it. Anyone else who wants to do that, I think that's awesome. Go for it. Don't you know don't use it as a weapon against other people mm-hmm. but other than that like I don't really care what other people want to do I do think for a lot of people it is hard to separate Christianity and purity culture because like you said they do just go like hand in hand for a lot of us yeah. but I also have friends who are very anti-purity culture and are still Christian or still have some kind of like relationship to Christianity or spirituality that's important to them. And I think that's awesome. It's not me, um, but I think that's great for them that they, you know, have found what works for them. And do you think that the the, the purity aspect of religion that you were indoctrinated with mm-hmm. or by, indoctrinated with or by? Indoctrinated. W- oh, is it with or by? Are I you indoctrinated know. Buy something. The, the, I, I say into indoctrination. Oh. oh, nice, nice, good compromise. So the, the she purity, uses the word more. I trust her. I, yeah, you're now our grammar uh, proctor. I don't know if I'm right, but. Um, so based on the fact that you know the the 
the purity culture that was so ingrained in your religious experience, yeah. did you feel that when you dropped the purity, were you like, that's, it all has to go at the same time? Was that the decision that you made then? Or was it a slow process after the whole purity thing was disaffected? Yeah, I, and I want to know what came first, the chicken yeah. or the egg. Yeah. Well, I think it was, it slowly was every, like, it wasn't, to me, they're the same. So mm. mm-hmm. it's like such a big part of the religion that's like, I slowly was like, just leaving all of it. It wasn't like one or the other. It was like right. every, I was just slowly like, backing out of the door of like, the whole thing. Like, right. I just, it wasn't like a partitioned, mm. you know, one or the other. It was, it was the same. Yeah, I, I agree with like I see religion as like it's like you can either look at it as like I agree. I agree. I it's either a la carte or it's a prefix menu, right? <laughs> like if it's a prefix menu, you can't make change. That's it. You either take it or leave it. Yeah, but I, I don't think, believe in a la carte. Yeah, I think it's either prefix or nothing. But I really think that, you know, some people don't necessarily want to lose their relationship with God as they yeah. see it. Sure. And it might be a little too much to try and be like, yeah, throw the baby out with the bathwater. You can have a spiritual relationship with something. Yeah. But I'm just saying, if you're going to go by a an organized religion, mm. I don't think you can a la carte it. Yeah. I don't think you could pick and choose what the things you want. And I'm not saying that I'm, I'm not, I'm not, it, this is not a no, pro-religion no, this is, yeah. argument. What yeah. I'm saying is I believe if you believe in a religion, you can't just say like, I'm going to do that. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do this. I don't want to do that. I don't feel good about this. This is cool. Yeah, but that's I'm what good. so many people do in organized religion. But I don't believe it. Okay. I think you got to go hardcore, full on <laughs> fundamentalist or nothing. <laughs> I mean, for me, it was like, I couldn't. I, like I said, I have zero interest in any of it, Mm. but for a lot of people, they do find something meaningful still in like aspects of Christianity. And I would never dream of telling them that they're wrong for doing that. Yeah. (laughs) No, would I. Um, Okay. So a couple more questions and then I promise we'll let you go. Do you think there's a correlation between being raised in purity culture and having difficulty orgasming? I think that since, well, like for women or like people with a clitoris, like I think that it is a psychological thing. So Mm -hmm. in the psychological sense, like, yes, I think that, yes, Mm -hmm. it could be difficult to like get your mind there to the place mm-hmm. where you're comfortable with like any kind of sexual contact or arousal. So yeah, I think there's, yeah, I think so. Okay. Yeah. I don't have a clitoris, but I would agree that that's probably I mean, the case. <laughs> yeah. As, as the person in this room with a clitoris, I can tell you it is extremely psychological. <laughs> you are an authority. <laughs> Okay, so beyond the shame and the fear and even the physical pain in some cases that Mm -hmm. become intertwined with sex, a lot of the consequences of purity culture seem to resemble PTSD. Mm -hmm. So panic attacks, depression, Mm -hmm. self-harm. With this in mind, do you think purity culture is a form of abuse? Yes, Mm -hmm. I do. Yep, for sure. I've talked about that for sure. Like 
it's way back in my TikTok somewhere, but I've made <laughs> videos about that. Her TikTok's like, great. <laughs> thank you so much. Yeah, like it's definitely, I mean, even there's people way more educated and, you know, able to speak on this than I am. Um, sex educators, sex therapists who even compare it to like the effects of purity culture also lining up a lot with the effects of sexual abuse and mm. assault, like yeah. those types of things, right. like you're talking about the PTSD that, you know, yeah. so for sure, I think it's a form of abuse and it's, you know, a socially acceptable form because it's part of religion. And it's just like, you know, people just think like, you know, leave those people alone. Yeah. They're just practicing their religion, whatever. But I think that, sex education is a human right mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. and denying that to people is abuse and yeah, yeah i i agree with that it is definitely abuse okay yep. Okay, final question. And this one came up a lot. This one was actually the a number one below. family feud question. It, uh, yeah, it was up there with like how do you turn on a dime? Like how do you regard right, sex right. as enjoyable after a lifetime right. of shame? And then in this case, it's a lot simpler. Have you know you are 10 years out mm -hmm. of unlearning this? The question is, does it ever get better? Yes, it does get better. You know, um, I honestly can't believe that my life is the way it is right now. Like, if I when I look back on like my 18 year old self, like, you know having a panic attack the first time I held hands with a guy because I really thought that I cheated on my future husband. Like wow. that's where I was. And mm. I look at my life now, I'm like, you know, I, it's just so different and it's been a long journey, but yes, it does get better. And, you know, I, I just, like I was saying earlier, I think what in another question, like, you don't have to figure everything out all at once. Like it's impossible. You're not going to figure out, like if you're leaving your religion, especially like you're not going to figure out what you think about like spirituality and relationships and your career and friendships and everything like all at once. That's too much. Don't even like, don't even think that you're going to be able to do that. Just like one step take it at one time. day at a time. Yeah. 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 Love that message. Mm -hmm. Well, Blair, this was really just such a cool conversation. I'm so thankful that you carved out the time to share your personal anecdotes and also some advice with us. And just thank you so much. Yeah, that was great. Of thank course. you. Thank you for having me. Ah. Oh, man, there's so much to unpack there. Very eye opening. Yeah, I got to say, I feel so lucky that I don't, that I am as ignorant. That you're not pure. <laughs> you're very impure. It's funny. My uh, high school boyfriend, he, he actually wasn't Christian. He was a different religion, but he wanted to save himself mm. for marriage. And I remember I, I was like young. I was like 17 or something. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I don't want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> I had a very clear idea that I didn't. I, I kind of just wanted to try all the things and know and yeah, figure I mean, out what normal, my own taste. Normal upbringing. Like that's well, what you want to do. That's you. Know, do you're listening to your hormones. Your hormones are right. <laughs> I do think I was a little sheltered in some ways, but I, you know, I, when I hear stories like this and so many of the questions we've gotten on this yeah. podcast have 
sort of alluded to this or, you know, they'll even, it'll be in passing some sentences. Like I have a lot of shame and blah, blah, blah. Sure, thanks yeah. to X, Y, Z, you know, my upbringing. And I feel unqualified to take it on if I'm honest, because I don't, and I know, you know, none of us are therapists here, but it, it, I do think it is helpful to hear from someone who, yeah, you know, she's 31. She started to branch out at 21. And like she said, you start being indoctrinated she's into a, it, into, <laughs> at, yes, you know, you. around 12 years old. I just think it, you know, for her to be like, yeah, it does get better. I, it sounds so simple, but I do think that that can be helpful for some people to sure. hear. She, she is an expert witness. <laughs> that's what she is she's not she does not have a degree she's not technically a professional but she is a witness mm-hmm. and therefore an expert in well my i eyes. mean is that not our entire podcast yeah we're not we're relationship not therapists we're just we're just dumbasses <laughs> we're just dumbasses we just who have dated a lot. a lot of people <laughs> yeah done a lot of dating and a lot of a lot of hot air <laughs> Anyway, I just, that was a really interesting conversation. Like I, I did want to ask her more of like, do you have advice for this? Do you have advice for that? But I was like, I really had a hard yeah. time stopping asking her questions. Like, like you said, like, was there a movie you saw? Yeah. Like, what was the moment? Mm-hmm. What was the moment? It's yeah. so interesting to go from that being the air you breathe, the way she described it. It's so like it's visceral. The, I'm always fascinated by like any anything of this genre. Mm-hmm. I'm always curious how a human brain from like I, we were lucky enough to never be indoctrinated into any sort of crazy. I know I got I it. I got it. I got it. <laughs> yeah. I'll make a point. I learned, but we never had that. Yeah, you know, we just had you know. Sure, our parents did dumb things and raised us in ways where they made a couple of mistakes but yeah. there was basic you know vanilla parent raising yeah i mean kid raising because the parents <laughs> do the raising you don't raise your parents yeah. but my point is is that i can't even imagine because even like my totally normal upbringing mm-hmm. i had some sort of little clicks or parts of my life where i was kind of in indoctrinated into yeah, something absolutely. where it was really hard for me to break out. But what if everything, mm-hmm. your family, your friends, your school, your church, your society, your community, when you go to a movie and like everything yeah. is, this is it. Yeah. How do you break out of that? Oh. What's the switch that goes off in your human brain, your brain that's literally been molded. Yes. Like she tailored. said, it's a part of her. It'll always be a part of her. Yes. But how do you switch it off? I'm fascinated I'm by that. Fascinated. I wanted to really, I could have made know. the whole thing. I, the whole hour could have been yeah. like, and then what moment at, yeah. at age 19, yeah. what happened? Age we 20. just kept pressing her and pressing her, pressing her until yeah. finally she's like, okay, it was dirty dancing. <laughs> <laughs> Happy. Yeah. I mean, I really am fat. Yeah. I have nothing. Yeah. I have nothing no, it's, yeah. Oh, dirty dancing. Mm-hmm. Did I saw a, a remix of, um, is that what you call it? When, when they put music, I sent it to you. A remix? They put different music to a scene from a movie oh. and, it, and it syncs. I don't and, know if that's a remix. Yeah, there was a remix that I saw of something, whatever it is. I'm like a hundred. But it was uh, the Muppets theme song to the scene where <laughs> Patrick Swayze like like um, does his dance yeah, yeah, for yeah. whatever her name is. Yeah. It was pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> That I sent it funny. to Jordan and he t- t- told me it was the oldest man thing I'd ever sent him in my life. Oh, so I don't know. that sad. sounds funny to me. It was on his but birthday. I'm, maybe I've, that's an old lady thing to say. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. And another thing we hardly touched on, but obviously it's like a whole other can of worms. And in some ways I think 
is is actually a, like a way bigger problem, but just mm. the entire LGBTQ plus. Yeah, but that's its whole whole episode. That's its own yeah, episode. You're right. That's. Its I own mean, episode. it's double torture. It is double torture. If you're if you're gay or anything not heterosexual, yeah. this is like a, a life of torture. If they find out, because I'm sure a lot of people are like, well, I don't have to have sex. Oh, I'm not sorry. I'm not allowed to even think about having sex until marriage, so I can just hide. Mm. And I'm sure a lot of them do. You you have these non-heterosexual feelings, but you're being told that you can't even think about sex. You're like, oh, that's great. I don't have to tell anybody. Mm-hmm. I can just hide forever. It's awful. I hope it didn't seem like we were making light of this because I wanted to have a degree of levity around a topic that is so serious. Well, I think and we're is, celebrating her yeah, escape. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, speak. yeah. I just think, you know, it is traumatic. Like the word trauma is just, in, in doing my research for my notes for this episode, like the word trauma just kept cropping up. Like it really is not just, oh, I am uncomfortable getting naked and having sex. Like it's so much deeper than that. Yeah. And involves just sort of loathing your own body as a sexual creature. And also, as, a, as another uh, disclaimer, yeah, I don't judge anyone who decides on their own volition. Yeah. Is it under your own volition? Why is it everything I'm saying yeah. today? I don't know what I'm talking on, about. Of your own volition. Yeah. Of your own volition. Of, of? What did I say? Under. I don't think it's under volition. Of your own volition? Yeah. Yeah, of your own volition. I don't I'm going to say it again. You're making me doubt myself. Okay, okay. So, okay, so uh, I'm saying even if it is of your own volition. Yes. I mean. Does that sound right? Of your own volition. I think so. By your own volition? Through your own volition? Under your own volition? I think of it's your, of. Of. I'm okay. I'm going on the record and you guys can come after me. All right, I'm so saying take, take seven. <laughs> even, even if it's. Of your own volition. Yes. I. Wait. What were you saying? <laughs> if, no, no, no. It's that's not how I. That's not what I was saying. Let me start again. Take eight. If it is under your own volition, I have absolutely under. Uh, <laughs> if you want to do it yourself, <laughs> if if you're like I want to do this, uh-huh. <laughs> I have no judgment. Yeah, that's your choice. You're. It's a free. What I. Country. Well, that's what do gets what me want. is the judgment cast on people who don't. Yeah. Like the, the the way if if you are not pure, you're damaged and the judgment, you know, you might not be saying it explicitly, but what you are saying is people who do choose to have sex before marriage are damaged. Right. As absurd as that is, I think it's also wrong to judge someone who decides on their own, yes. under their own free will. No, through, by. Why is this hard? <laughs> Why is I can't speak I don't know, English? But I agree. I agree. I really believe in you do you. My issue with this is how it does make people like I do think it inflicts a lifetime of shame yeah. on a person. And I actually meant to ask her. It was on my list. But I wanted to ask, can shame be unlearned? Oh, that's a whole nother. That's a whole other episode. Another right? episode. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like at some point we will have an episode about shame because we all we wrap every episode talking yeah, about there's shame. There's been a lot of shame recently. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I think we can wrap there officially after yes. having touched on shame. If you enjoyed what you heard today, you know what we will ask of you, and that is to tell your friends. Like. Subscribe. Follow us on Instagram and hit the notification bell. And and TikTok. And and TikToks. <laughs> and generally do. Do all the things that you would do that to, you would do to support, to support 
a podcast that you like and consume. Yeah. And on that note, that's a wrap. Mm -hmm. Thank you guys so much for tuning in and we'll see you next time on Dear Shandy. Bye-bye. Dear Shandy.